Let's now read from the Bible, read God's word as we find it in 1 Peter, 1 Peter. We'll begin the scripture reading in chapter 1, verse 18, and read through verse 10 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Read this section of 1 Peter in connection with Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism begins a new section in the Catechism regarding thankfulness. This time we'll read God's word in 1 Peter 1 verse 18 and following. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. For unto also they were appointed, But ye 
are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Thus far we read in God's word at this time. In First Peter, may the Lord bless us under the reading of Scripture. I read that in connection with Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism. At this time we'll read questions and answers 86 and 87. Since then we are delivered from our misery merely of grace through Christ without any merit of ours. Why must we still do good works? And the answer is because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image, that so we may testify by the whole of our conduct our gratitude to God for his blessings, and that he may be praised by us. Also, that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof, and that by our godly conversation others may be gained to Christ. Number 87, cannot they then be saved who continuing in their wicked and ungrateful lives and are not converted to God? By no means, for the Holy Scripture declares that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, covetous man, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or any such like shall inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, come now to the third section of the Heidelberg Catechism. And that raises the question, is this division that the Catechism sets before us of the first part regarding our misery, the second part regarding the knowledge of our salvation in Jesus Christ, now this third section, biblically legitimate. We believe on the basis of Holy Scripture, and we confess that God's Word approves, even demands of this, demands this division that we find in the Heidelberg Catechism. And we believe that's true, first of all, on the basis of Romans chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. Romans 7, verses 24 through 25, we have that very familiar cry, not just of Paul, but of you and me also, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
so on. The verse continues to the end. There you have, verses 24 and 25, the triple knowledge of the wonder of our salvation in Jesus Christ. There is the knowledge of sin. O wretched man that I am, the body of this death. We have the knowledge of deliverance from that sin. Who shall deliver me? And there's the answer. God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then there is also the knowledge of thankfulness. I, the wretched man, saved by God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that I thanks that God, our God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have that same division set before us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8, and then into chapter 2, verse 5. In the last three verses of chapter 1, we have the confession, I am sinful, I am the sinner, I have sin. And we may not deny, deny that truth, lest we make God a liar. Then moving into chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, there we have the knowledge of our only deliverance from that sin through our Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the only propitiation for our sin in the sight of God, and thus the only deliverance also from the corruption of that sin unto, what verses 3 through 5 set forth, the knowledge of our thankfulness according to the commandments of God following the authority of Scripture and God himself, we enter now into that third aspect of the wonder of our only comfort in life and death. That is, the knowledge of our life, of thankfulness unto the Father, our Father, for Jesus' sake alone, through the indwelling and renewing work of his spirit. The exposition then of the catechism, that aspect of thankfulness begins with the introductory treatment of our holy and grateful lives. We'll consider that this morning, our holy and grateful lives. We'll notice, first of all, their necessary reality. And secondly, their marvelous reason, which demands that holy and grateful life in you and me, and thirdly, their abundant benefits. The Lord in Scripture gives us many examples of the reality of this holy and grateful life, which the third part of the Catechism will teach us and remind us. The many examples in Scripture include, just a few we'll call to mind this morning, Moses. With the children of Israel, after the tremendous deliverance by God through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then as soon as Israel had left and exited the Red Sea, then the sea drowned Pharaoh and his host. After the wonder of the Passover, and that the Israelites were not destroyed in the night in which God went through Egypt by the angel of death and destroyed Egypt's firstborn. After that, 
humanly incomprehensible wonder that God performed for Israel, what does Moses, what did the children of Israel do? Exodus 20, or Exodus in chapter 19, they give thanks unto Jehovah. On the other side of the Old Testament history in the book of Daniel, we find Daniel with his three friends brought into Egypt. They're of the royal sea, brought into the palace, and under the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. They continued, though in a strange land, as they had been taught, that holy, thankful life of a child of Jehovah. Made very plain, when the conspiracy was hatched against Daniel, during the empire of the Medes and the Persians under Darius, to have him killed because he was that holy saint and thankful one of God. And had the king, who foolishly, without thinking, approved the decree with his ring, that whoever did not worship him for a month would be executed by being tossed into the den of lions. And what does Daniel do under the threat of persecution, under the threat of death? He doesn't change. He continues that regular worship before Jehovah with his face to Jerusalem in remembrance of God's covenant promises, seeking God on the basis of Jesus Christ in thankfulness. In the fullness of time when Jesus was born, there is, we find in Luke chapter 2, Simeon, whom the Bible describes as a just and devout man, which is another way of saying a man who was God's saint and a man who was very thankful to Jehovah. He had been instructed by the Lord that he would have the privilege to see the Lord's Christ face to face before he died. So he waited for the consolation of Israel until finally he had seen Christ face to face in the flesh and gives thanks unto Jehovah for that privilege. Similarly, a fellow saint, a fellow sister in the Lord, Anna, who was a widow for many, many years from the tribe of Asher besides we read in Luke chapter 2, served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant did what? When she saw the Lord's Christ too, by faith. Out of that same faith gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. And there's one more example we call to mind which is rather startling. Find that one in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, where Paul and Silas had just been beaten by the Philippian jailer, had experienced terrible injustice to their freedom and their ability to do their work as ministers of the Lord, and Paul as an apostle of Jesus Christ. They're put into prison without any medical care, sitting in there with their wounds, in a horrible prison, persecuted for the sake of Christ. And there we read in Acts 16, verse 25, at midnight, in the darkness, when at midnight we would be prone to complain, 
by the grace of God, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, the chief part of thankfulness. And we read they, in joyfulness, they sang praises unto God. Lord teaches us by those examples and many, many more besides that the fruit of his work of salvation in us, within us, is a holy and grateful life. What is that? First of all, a holy and grateful life knows the blessing of God. saint knows all that I receive from God, his blessings are undeserved. Not just in this life, but also in the life to come. Undeserved, unmerited, unconditional. Even the earthly gifts that we receive by our own labor are freely given to us by God according to his wisdom for our spiritual profit because of his work and grace in Jesus Christ. A holy and grateful life knows those spiritual blessings, the blessings of daily bread and all the earthly gifts God is pleased to give you for your spiritual profit, the gift of family, the gift of friends in the Lord, the gift of employment and the physical ability to do that work with joy and thanksgiving to God. All comes from his hand and the child of God learns, he knows these blessings come from the hand of God. I never deserve them. I didn't merit them. God in his mercy is pleased to bestow them upon me. Knowing those blessings of God, then in the second place, a holy and grateful life will give thanks to God for that. And that giving thanks means, according to Psalm 100, first of all, that we acknowledge Jehovah as the fountain of every good and perfect gift. And as we begin the worship service, we praise him, we give thanks to him from whom all blessings flow. He is the fountain of that blessing in Jesus Christ. When we acknowledge that, we also stand amazed. God, from his heavenly throne, is that fountain, is the source of that river of grace and blessing which flows unto me, though I am sinful, for Jesus' sake. Though I deserve nothing except God's curse. God grants us his blessing. That understanding that he is that unfailing fountain of blessing unto us in Jesus Christ moves us to praise him. That's the second part of giving thanks. The child of God rejects the idols of men rejects the praise of man when he has success in his life. He does not look to himself and say, look at me. 
which we are prone to do and which we must fight. He looks to God, taking no pride in himself or in what he does, and looks to Jehovah and the excellency of his greatness and goodness and his mercy unto his people and to himself in particular. And that praise of Jehovah then includes then going forth within the path of obedience, within the path of that righteousness according to God's commandments for his name's sake. Lord's Day 32 will expand on that aspect of thankfulness in good works. The Catechism teaches in the third place that holy and grateful life giving thanks then will be consecrated Unto just that. Holy means consecrated, devoted, separated one is from all that which is evil, all that is against Jehovah, all that is ungrateful, all that is looking away from the fountain and looking at man or the idols of men. It rejects and is separated from all of that unto Jehovah in love. And the scriptures make clear from even the examples we've shown, like Daniel, how it didn't matter where he lived, whether he was in the land of Babylon, it didn't matter what time of the day, he would continue his regular worship three times a day. It didn't matter what the decisions and the rules of the king were. Devoted, he was to thankfulness to Jehovah. In the whole of his conduct, in the whole of our conduct, a holy and grateful life is devoted to the praise of Jehovah. It is not something which we put on as a coat for a few hours in the day, and when we're done with whatever the activity is associated with that coat, we put it away, and now we don't need to have a holy and grateful life kind of like a part-time job, which we do for a while, and then, and then we stop. No. All the days of our life, every hour, every activity, it affects our worship on Sunday, but all the devotions we have during the week. Whether we're on the job, at school, at home, during our leisure time, on vacation, makes no difference. In the whole of our conduct, the child of God is devoted to his fear. And the Catechism teaches that if one does not possess that wonder, and that one doesn't really care about that holy and grateful life, then, according to the righteousness of God, that one cannot consider himself even to be saved. The Catechism teaches those who are ungrateful, who are ungodly, not converted from their wicked ways, refuse to be converted from their wicked ways even after Many admonitions, 
According to 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10, that one, as the Catechism points out in answer 87, they cannot consider themselves heirs of the kingdom of God. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. As they walk by unbelief, within the paths of unrighteousness, that one, out of unbelief, cannot know. They will inherit the kingdom of God and belong to that kingdom. Rather, they must know that they go on a path which leads to destruction. That, beloved, is very serious. We cannot think that a walking in unbelief and out of that unbelief, walking in disobedience and not repenting from that, well, everything's fine and I'm a child of God even though I walk in this sin. That's okay. I'm going to heaven. The catechism says no. That's not a holy and devoted life unto Jehovah. That's a life of unbelief. The Christian life, the true Christian life, is a life out of faith within godliness unto Jehovah, to his praise, to his glory. And that, beloved, is necessary for the child of God. Why must we do good works? Why must the child of God receive this holy and grateful life? Why? What is the reason The Catechism explains to us the threefold, marvelous, sure, unmerited, the unconditional, the irresistible, and the efficacious reason you and I must live a thankful life. And the answer isn't in you or me. The marvelous reason is in God himself. First of all, Number one, why must we do good works? It's implied in the catechism in the Father, according to Ephesians 1, verse 4. Ephesians 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, so that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's the the reason found in God's own decree. In his decree, God established election and reprobation. God eternally rejects those and predestinated them unto eternal destruction. He purposes to condemn those appointed there according to their sin and wickedness. And although everyone, according to the catechism, as the canons teach, even though everyone deserves that, and God in his righteousness justly could have willed all to be cast there into destruction and hell, yet wondrously, God has chosen some in Christ before the foundation of the world unto heavenly glory with Jesus Christ, He will justify them 
unto that inheritance and give unto them and work in them their place in that glory with him in his covenant of grace and give unto them the life that fits that covenant of grace, a life of thankfulness to him. The wonder, beloved, of that election in Christ is the eternal basis and necessity for a holy and grateful life unto Jehovah. That demands, beloved, a confession of us that as we have been chosen in Christ, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, unto what? A life of unthankfulness and wickedness? No. That we should be holy, devoted, consecrated unto Jehovah, to his praise, and be without blame before him in love. God has placed those two things together. The fountain of election brings forth the river of grace which flows unto you and me by the Spirit to make us as God has so willed. To be before him in love, holy and without blame. Holy and righteous. That, beloved, moves us to thankfulness. God, in his wondrous goodness, set his love on me. Before he said, let there be light. That is humbling. It moves us unto thankfulness to him. Number two, the catechism points to the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ as the second reason of Scripture. First Peter 1, verses 18 through 21, we read of that redemption in Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ. We must have that holy and grateful life because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though you and I have forfeited every right to have that life with God in his covenant, a life of thankfulness and love unto him. Though we deserve eternal death, though we deserve to be cast into hell, though we deserve a cup filled with his curse and wrath. God has redeemed you and me from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our Passover lamb has redeemed us from our sin, from our pride, from our unbelief, from our ingratitude. And done that by just one thing. Not gold, not silver, not anything in this world, but by his own precious shed blood on the cross as a perfect, complete, spotless atonement for all of your sin and for all of his people who are sinners. That stands in harmony with God's counsel. God foreordained this to come to pass at the cross of Calvary. Revealed it in the fullness of time when he forsook his son on the cross in the darkness for us. So that we might have 
Because of the work of Jesus Christ, because he has fulfilled all righteousness for us, we have the right to this life with God, everlasting life of love in his covenant. That wonder of Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Christ results in and must result in, it was not shed in vain, it must result in a holy and grateful life in you and me. That's true objectively. Scriptures speak of that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That verse follows verse 21, which speaks very clearly of the redemption that we have in Christ by his shed blood. For the purpose, for the goal of verse 22, a life of thankfulness devoted unto Jehovah and evident in the love which we have to one another. Romans chapter 6 also speaks of the same relationship between the death of Christ and the life which the child of God has in Christ and thankfulness unto God. Romans 6 verses 11 and 12 we read, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. We have been crucified with Christ. We are dead to sin, alive unto God because of Christ and in Jesus Christ unto that life of thankfulness, which the apostle explains in greater detail in Romans chapter 12 and following. So we understand that objectively, yes, there is that logical, clear connection between the work of Jesus Christ and the cross, the resurrection from the dead, and then that life which we have in him. Since he has died for us, we must live with him in thankfulness. But the Lord also teaches us that subjectively, we learn in this life to understand Lord shed his blood for me. I live a thankful life unto him. It makes you to know how great your sin and misery is. Then to teach you the wonder of the redemption that you have in Christ. And in the light of that cross and the resurrection of Christ from the dead, the light of that glory of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we give thanks. The Lord makes us to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And we learn through our foolish mistakes that that which will satisfy and grant us peace with God is not the things that are found in the world or that the devil will produce present to you and say, well, now you'll find peace and happiness in this wicked way. 
Lord, teaches us more and more. We hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the righteousness is not in our works, but in Jesus Christ. That's what feeds and nourishes our hungry and thirsty souls. It's his righteousness alone. It's his word, his truth. By the wonder of Christ crucified, standing in the glory of that wonder for you and me, we are compelled by faith to give thanks unto him for his glorious mercy to us poor sinners. But that's not all, beloved. In the third place, we must do so because of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the, Spirit, whom the Lord has poured out upon you and who dwells in you forever. The wonder work which the Spirit of Christ fulfills in those to whom Christ has redeemed and whom the Father has willed from eternity to be his adopted children is that he makes you alive, puts in you the image of Christ, makes you his sheep, makes you his children in his image. He joins you to the true vine, Jesus Christ, to be one of his many innumerable living branches. And the wonder is, for which we give thanks, is that we who were dead in sin, Ephesians 2 teaches, were not like the creation in the beginning, just darkness, Verse 2, just this soup and darkness, and God out of that made the heavens and the earth. No, God has taken that which hates him, which is darkness and enmity against him, and that the Spirit takes hold of by his irresistible sovereign grace and makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. To do what? Ephesians 2 verse 10 makes that clear. For we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. More glorious than the stars even. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's the work of the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take the word sealed in the death and the resurrection of Christ and make that word effective in you and me, his children. To stamp in us that image of Christ and holiness and righteousness and truth. To give unto us his grace so that out of that fountain of his grace we might believe. And out of that faith Walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Walk in all good works. Now we know that to be true objectively. The Spirit works irresistibly. He's sovereign in that work and his saints to bring forth out of those living branches much fruit. Read of that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Verses 13 and 14, the Lord teaches, but we are bound to give thanks 
all wait to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very clearly the Lord will, by the Holy Spirit, because of the Father's decree, because of the salvation in Jesus Christ, the Spirit will work in us that wonder of sanctification, the work of renewal, and being purified from that old nature that still remains in us to the day of our death. By his irresistible working, will make us alive and productive and fruitful to the praise of his name. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which we read earlier, it's the Spirit's work to make us that chosen generation, that royal priesthood, that peculiar people, called out of darkness into his marvelous light by the Spirit our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we who were darkness shine. The Lord not only makes us to know that objectively in the scriptures, but subjectively. That is, I know that and I am assured of that truth in the scriptures, not just for others in the church or the church generally, but that's his work in I was in darkness. I, by nature, am darkness. But because of the Father's will and the work of Jesus Christ, his Spirit makes me light. And he works irresistibly in me. He makes me to know more and more my sin and more and more to work in me that repentance from sin more and more to work in me that knowledge and assurance that my deliverance from sin is only in Jesus Christ my Lord. And he works in me a desire, a delight even, to walk in all godliness before him, to delight in his word, in the communion of the saints, in the church, in Christ himself. Because of that reason, beloved, we must do good works. And we will, by the Spirit who works through the preaching of the gospel, souls that word upon that renewed heart, and that seed will not be thrown there on your and placed there on your heart in vain. The Spirit will work that and there will be good fruit. That leads to the abundant benefits, beloved. First of all, of the three that we consider this morning, number one, why must we have, why do we have, and why do we receive that holy and grateful life? Number one, that God may be praised by us. And really, in a certain sense, it's really the only benefit that we need to really consider. God is praised by us. A true servant of the Lord 
doesn't look for a return from the master, he is content that his master is honored, that his master be praised. And that's true for us as his servants in his house. That's our chief delight, that God, not us, God be praised. We recognize, of course, the battle. We're prone to praise ourselves. We're prone to be proud. When we have success on the test or success in our employment or success in the family, we are prone to say, look at me. Look what I have done. Now, beloved, think about that. We boast in what we are, specks of dust, sinners. We boast in what we have done. Did we create the heavens and the earth? Do we sustain everything, every moment by our hand? Do we make this body to work as it should? Do we really bring to pass the success of our life? Do we realize how impossible it should be for things actually to work? Except God in his providence governs everything in our life from the molecules in our body to how everything works together in us and then controlling everything around us so that sometimes we do have success in life. And then spiritually, do we establish the church? Do we make the preaching work? Did we shed our blood and so redeem the church and ourselves? Do we call ourselves out of the darkness of our sin? light of the Lord. Beloved, when the Lord teaches us that he has chosen us, that Christ shed his blood and arose again for us, and when we consider the work of the Spirit, then when we see what God has done in our lives, There's no room for boasting in ourselves. We glory in the Lord. Just as he has determined, we glory in him from beginning to end in all the work that he accomplishes through us. We are what he has made us to be, the praise of Jehovah. That is your identity, not the praise of you. The praise of of Jehovah. That's our name. What a blessed benefit, beloved. Number two, the Lord in his mercy also gives us a personal benefit that we may be assured in ourselves of our faith by the fruits thereof. Which means negatively, we will not be assured of our faith in the path of unbelief and wickedness and the fruits of that unbelief. In a life of wickedness, 
in the life of a hypocrite who makes it look like he's a Christian, but inside, oh no, he doesn't live for the praise of God. He doesn't want a holy and grateful life unto God. Devoted and thankful to himself? Oh yes. But those who are wicked or as the hypocrite, they can be assured of only one thing. that They will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the God who is coming in judgment, whose kingdom is at hand, is going to destroy them in his judgment. And that's what they deserve. That's what they must know. For God is righteous. And that warns us, beloved, to flee from sin. And to be sure that we make our calling and election sure to ourselves by faith within the path of holiness, within the path of thankfulness. And those fruits of that faith, which the Catechism will bring before us as we go through the third part of the Catechism, those fruits of thankfulness are the evidence of our faith. The faith which is one of the blessings of salvation that the Spirit applies to us because of the work of Jesus Christ. And when we see those fruits of faith, we may be encouraged. Those fruits of faith themselves do not prove our salvation. Notice what the Catechism says. We are assured in ourselves of our salvation by the fruits of faith. It doesn't say that. It assures us that there is faith. And that's very deliberate. You and I do not appeal, and may not appeal, and don't do that, beloved. Appeal to your works as the proof. I'm a child of God. For lure down that pathway, then we either become proud or we'll become depressed. And if we're honest before the Lord, we will become depressed because when we look at our works, they're so full of sin. After a while, we can't even be sure that we're saved anymore if that's the basis of our assurance. Our good works and the fruits of that faith are evidence of the faith, of being engrafted into the tree of life. And that's the proof of our, of our salvation. Not the fruit on the end of the branch, but the tree of life himself, Jesus Christ. To that we appeal, when tempted by the devil to doubt, we look to Christ, his righteousness, his perfection, and there I find, and when I see in my life those good fruits of a prayer life which grows in the Lord of a desire to live in all godliness, a growing knowledge of God's word, I see the wonder of the Spirit working in me. And I am encouraged and I am thankful. And then number three, in that thankfulness we will also be noticed. By our godly conversation, by our godly conduct and communication, others may be gained to Christ. That's Jesus' point in Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light, the light of the knowledge of the Father, 
in Jesus Christ, by his spirit, in all of scripture, let that light shine before men. That's its purpose. Let the light shine before the other workers on the job site. Let the light shine in the home to our children, to our parents, to our brothers and sisters. Let your light shine at school. Let your light shine in the neighborhood. What will be the benefit of that? Number one, God will be glorified. Number two, the Lord may use that shining light for, on the one hand, our fellow saints to encourage them. When another young man or woman stands up in the church and makes confession of faith, that's encouraging to our fellow saints. When we marry in the Lord, that's encouraging to us as God's people. Or to those outside the church, letting that light shine, will the Lord may use that to bring others who are in the darkness as we were by nature and apart from Christ, bring them out of their darkness also into the same light. And by our communication, whatever the means may be, the Lord may use others, may use us to bring others under the voice of Jesus Christ to hear him so that they also like us, may follow him in his marvelous light. Beloved, when you observe these benefits come to pass, rejoice in the wonder that God has performed in you according to his will, because of Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit and his irresistible grace, rejoice that you are one of his sons, and daughters, given that holy and grateful life. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, grant us that grace by thy Spirit to know and to believe. We are thy dear children for Jesus' sake, and by thy Spirit, through thy powerful word, work in us that true and living faith by we may know and be assured of the life which we have in Jesus Christ, a life of devoted thankfulness unto thee. Make us, Father, also this day fruitful branches of our Lord Jesus Christ, the tree of life. In his name we pray, amen.